Now, what to do? What to do? The Open Championship returns to Carnoustie. He's out with a driver now. Now, I'm not sure this is right. They call it Carnasty for a reason, though. Just ask John Vandeveld. Welcome to the Sports Final Podcast. From our NBC New York studios at 30 Rock, I'm John Chandler, and we'll be joined by Mike Tirico in his 22nd season covering a British Open. He did so for so many years with ESPN, and this year he will lead NBC Sports and Golf Channel's coverage all week from Scotland. He has been an eyewitness to the horrors of Carnoustie. Oh, 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 you lucky little rascal. And that bounced and seemed to go way to the right. It was 1999. John Vandeveld had the British Open won. Please give him one good putt. Until he butchered the 18th hole. Mistake. Please. After mistake. And ultimately lost in a playoff going down into sports. We'll talk to Tariko about that and some players that he thinks could master this course this time around. And it's going to be a survival of the fittest, much like the U.S. Open at Shinnecock Hills was, but it'll be a little bit different as the Lynx golf versus the way the U.S. Open is played usually is. Dry fairways here, you're going to hear the phrase baked out. But the greens are said to be much slower. In Tiger Woods' case, he says they're even slower, he thinks, than the fairways. That's a big difference from the way things were at Shinnecock Hills. And Tiger Woods is hoping that the outcome will be a lot different from the way things were on Long Island when he missed the cut. Tiger is, of course, coming off a missed cut at Shinnecock and a top five at Quicken Loans, though that's not necessarily an indication of how he will fare at Carnoustie. His history here, tied for 12th in 2007, five back of eventual winner Patty Harrington, and then tied for seventh in that epic meltdown year of 1999 with Jean Vandeveld. Now, anyone would take those numbers as decent, if not great, playing such a difficult course as Carnoustie, but you have to remember that those were in the days when Tiger Woods was world's number one, and anything other than a win, or maybe a top five at worst, was considered a disaster for Tiger Woods. So you don't necessarily look back on 12 and 7 and see them the same for Tiger Woods as you do just about any other golfer. But I think this time around he would take a 12th or a 7th and feel good about that because of that missed cut at Shinnecock. It's Tiger's first British Open since 2015. He's missed the last two because of back issues. And from all sounds of it, after completing a practice round on Tuesday, Tiger Woods is just relieved to be here. I certainly thought I'd, I'd never play in this championship again. And, you know, watching it on TV, it's, um, it's great seeing it on TV, but it's even better in person. And I remember how it feels to come down the last hole with a chance to win it. And uh, knowing that I'm, I may never have that opportunity again. At, um, there were some, some times in there where it just didn't feel very good. Uh, but now to have the opportunity to come back to Carnoustie to play here in Scotland again, you know, it's, uh, I've said this before throughout this year, it's been a blessing. Uh, there were some times where I didn't think I would ever be able to do this again. And lo and behold, here I am playing my third major of the year. Does Tiger Woods have a chance? That's going to be the question on everyone's minds because as average a professional golfer as Tiger now is, he still draws so much attention and so many eyeballs, especially in a major. Tiger's first British Open since 2015. We'll see at this point if he can at least make the cut. He's going to have to be better with the putter, though in fairness, everybody from the U.S. Open 
is going to need improved putting because those greens at Shinnecock Hills were like putting on pavement. It'll be much different this time around, but still, much like that U.S. Open, par is going to be a great score, I think, for this field. Jordan Spieth is the defending champ. He won it last year at Royal Birkdale. And for a look at just who to expect to win this year and the tradition and the history that goes into winning the Claret Jug, we're joined by Mike Tirico from NBC Sports. Caught up with him just outside the Today Show studios with the Claret Jug in hand. I've always been fascinated by the British Open because it can wreck a guy. It can make a guy and it yeah. can wreck a guy. And it's at Carnoustie this year and that's as tough as it gets. Well, it's become very familiar in America because what happened to Jean Vandeveld in 1999, sure. he had a three-stroke lead playing the last hole. All he needed to do was make a six on a par four. He made a seven, got into a playoff. But the way he made that seven is uh, the stuff that documentaries have been done about. Uh, it, the uniqueness is the Masters is that first one of the year goes to the same course. It's special. The U.S. Open is our national championship in the U.S. has such significance because of that. The PGA Championship goes to great courses over the years. The Open, which is called around the world as the Open, we call it the British Open uh, for fans in the U.S., this one goes back to the roots of the game. They've played this since 1860, so we're talking over a century and a half of playing this. It stopped for the war a few times, but uh, it's back at the home of golf. Scotland is where the game was invented, created, where all the significant rules were made. So this one really seems to touch the soul of people who love the game a little bit more than the others. Uh, Carnoustie, often Carnasty as yes. it's referred to. It's a challenge for a golfer. We just saw a pretty big challenge at the U.S. Open here on Long mm -hmm. Island. Some scores very high right. uh, throughout the four days. We're probably going to see that again. You've got the stiff winds that are always a possibility. Right. You've got long, narrow fairways. Whose game do you think is best suited to win the, the Open this time around? Well, like you said, there are similarities. Par will be a very good score, usually is. Uh, you're talking about both golf courses, Shinnecock and Carnoustie, being on an island in the Atlantic Ocean. Uh, the North Atlantic can tend to have colder, damper winds, maybe more impactful than Shinnecock's winds. The greens will be nowhere near the same speed, and not even close, but that's the way the Open's always set up. They know that the wind is such a factor that golf balls won't stay where they're supposed to when they're placed down, so they keep the green speeds a little bit slower than they do here uh, in the U.S. In terms of golfers who I think have the game to win the Open, it's a complete examination because your imagination, your short game, getting up and down, solid contact, being able to hit the ball low, being able to hit the ball high. Uh, I go to the best players who are out there. Dustin Johnson, Ricky Fowler, although he hasn't won a major. Rory McIlroy, I think his putting will be better on these greens than they are sometimes in U.S. greens. And Jordan Spieth, who won last year, and Justin Thomas won the PGA last year. Those two guys join the others. They have everything. They can do it all, and they have the mental makeup to survive mistakes. We saw that with Jordan Spieth last year. He made an unbelievable bogey during his round at the Open. He lost the lead, got it back on the next hole, then followed that up with Eagle and went on to win the trophy behind us. Which is a pretty impressive trophy, if yeah. I must say, uh, to see it in person. I mean, you think of the Stanley Cup with the names engraved right. on it. This is right up there with it. Um, what is it about this trophy? When you sit here, when you see it, 
it's small. It's you it know is. the Stanley Cup is huge, right? Exactly. And yet it's one of the largest trophies to win in sports. It does a couple of things. One, it goes back to the 1870s, so this is the oldest trophy in golf. It's the most significant trophy in golf. It's also a living museum. You can sit here for hours and look at it and see the names of the players who have won this championship. And it's all the greats in the game, going back to old and young Tom Morris and Harry Varden and names people have to Google to look up. Yeah. And it's way before Google ever happened. But it says your name, the year, the golf course where it was played, and how many strokes. Mm -hmm. And each one tells a very unique story. And like the Stanley Cup, the Claret Jug has been everywhere and seen everything. There's been some wine, <laughs> some beer, some other beverages poured in there. Stuart Sink put barbecue sauce in there, give it a little Georgia Southern feeling. Uh, Zach Johnson from Iowa put some corn in there, because, you know, Iowa corn, you got, you got to do that. Jack Nicholas said it's like holding your baby. Tom Watson once hit it in error with a golf club, dented it, put it in his vice at home and fixed it. Uh, it has stories. Henrik Stenson, who won it in 2016, sure. took it out water skiing and put it in like one of those baby Bjorn things over his shoulders to keep it secure. So it's been everywhere and done everything, and uh, it just adds to the lore because the champion gets to have it for a great tour. The requisite Tiger Woods question. Yeah. We've reached that point of the interview. What do you think? I mean, he's got a couple of top tens this year. He also has a couple of missed cuts. Where's Tiger going into to the Open at this point? Well, he loves this tournament, this championship, probably as much as any that he plays. Uh, he experienced it early on in his teenage years, won it three times, won it at St. Andrews twice, won it back-to-back, -back, uh, has the imagination for it because it requires a shot that may not be in the books. You have to create things out there. And that sometimes gets Tiger playing some of his best golf. Like right now he's playing well. I don't think he's playing at a championship level just yet. And that will be confidence. We haven't seen him get in the mix and close the deal. So it's a process of rebuilding some of that confidence. And I think to see it in a major championship for the first time would be very interesting. Can he just jump out there and remember what it was like to win all those majors that he did before? It's been a decade. He's in his 40s. Usually you don't get better in your 40s at anything. Usually you, you decrease a little bit in your ability. I still think he is a guy who, if he got in the mix at this championship, he'd have a chance to win. If you ask me, can Tiger win another major? My guess is probably not. If he can, it would be the Masters and the Open, or the two I think he'd have the best chance at winning. It's going to be fascinating, always when Tiger is in the mix. Fascinating to watch, regardless of where he is in his game. For you as a broadcaster, you said this is your 22nd yes. calling a British Open. What are the challenges that you face uh, calling the Open versus uh, some of the other golf tournaments? It's, uh, it's very different because of the players that we get. We'll get players from around the world, right. not just uh, the players we see on the PGA Tour on a regular basis. That's changed over these 20 years as the European Tour players have come over to the U.S. to play more. You know, think of Rory McIlroy and Sergio Garcia, some of the biggest names in golf, play a lot of their big golf with the American stars and on the PGA Tour. So that's changed a little bit. I think there's a little more knowledge of it. Uh, the challenge is just the enormity of it. With Golf Channel and NBC, we are on from the first shot to the last. We go on at 6.30 in the morning on Thursday and Friday, UK time. It's 1.30 in the morning, but really, you know, 10.30 p.m. on the West Coast yeah. uh, to get, us, get started with this thing and then take it for hours and hours until they finish. And they start on one tee, no, no first and 10th tee start. So the starting times run from 6.30 in the morning until 4 in the afternoon. So you'll have guys playing, finishing their rounds at about 9.30 in the evening. So they're marathon days. 
their fun days. You see different stuff because of the deep bunkers, because of the high rough, lost golf balls and things like that. So everything you experience in golf as a broadcaster and as a player too, you tend to experience in any round at the open. So I think that's a little bit of what kind of keeps us going. It makes this, for me, one of my favorite weeks of the year for the last 22 years. Well, as someone who's watched it every year, I mean, this is, to me, as memorable as it gets because of what you said. You just never know what you're going to expect uh, exactly. to get at, at the Open. Uh, can I throw a name out there yeah. as we wrap up? Sure. Tommy Fleetwood. Tommy Fleetwood. That's Had a 63 last year in Carnegie. And that's a, good, it's a good name to throw out, too, because Tommy Fleetwood, uh, last year, I think we all thought would have been his year because he grew up very close to that golf course. We actually would climb the fence and get on that golf course. So um, he's a player who's playing very well. He's in the top 15 in the world. Mike Tirico will be leading coverage from the Open Championship for NBC Sports and Golf Channel all week. Now, as for who's going to win this Open Championship, I haven't the slightest idea. And I'm not even going to begin to predict what is unpredictable. I am going to predict, though that we're going to have fun watching because some kind of drama is going to unfold at the British Open. There always seems to be some of that. And remember, you can watch NBC Sports coverage of the Open Championship rounds three and four this weekend here on NBC New York. Thanks for the listen. I'm John Chandler, and this is the Sports Final Podcast. Oh, 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 oh,